Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's talk about, yeah, I hate I, you so hard. I love the I love the I love the Daleks. They were great. All right. Uh, welcome wait, to. Wait, wait. The, oh, Hi, Miles. Hi, <laughs> <I> phrase. <laughs> yeah, the more important co-host is here than I. The one who came and visited me, Scott. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you had a I, wedding or something. I know. Do. I was running out like a, a wedding. Whatever. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's get going. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And we have with us a very special returning guest, John Frage. John, welcome Hi. back to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on. It's been, I don't know, maybe half a year. We always figure yeah. out some sort of reason to get you on. Yeah, I stopped counting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be our most returning guest. You're 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 in the you're you're in. You're irregularly regular. <laughs> oh, there's prudence for I that. Get older, that's more important. <laughs> yeah, pr- yep. there's yep. prudence for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, it's gonna Let, be a great night, guys. Let's talk about Star Trek before we get too different. Yeah, it is. So you uh, and I need a scotch if we're gonna go there. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit of stats. We were commenting on this in the last show that, wow, Star Trek. Uh, so here's what the stats come in for Star Trek right now as we're at um, how many days it's been. It's been out 18 days as of yesterday. Domestic total, 128 million uh, and worldwide, 195 million. So it's done very well. It's passed its production budget of 185 million. So it's made some money for them, which is good. And they said, you know what? We're going to do a Star Trek four. Right, and they even so, announced who, who who's going to be in it too. Right, so I mean, so all that's good, right? All that's good. Although Suicide Squad has done better in four days than Star Trek. Shut it. I know, but, <laughs> but, but we will not start. <laughs> we will not talk about Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, so, anyways, that's the stats of where it stands, and um, man, people have been loving this movie. Right. Um, and, and I remember when the trailer first came out, there was a lot of hate for the first trailer. And, it was the Beastly Boy, Beastie Boys song. And, you know, and, and when I saw the trailer, I was a little concerned. Just like, is this going to be an action movie fest or are we going to have some real substance and, you know, some things that we know and love about Star Trek asking um, important questions. Yeah. Um, and what was your thought when you saw that very first trailer, you know? Beastie Boys, you know, going on in the background, a lot of action. So it was a lot more, it was action with human beings instead of ships. So I was excited. Okay. So that actually excited you. John, your impression of that trailer and what you were thinking might happen in this Star Trek. So um, the nerds were kind of in a tizzy about uh, Justin Lin at the helm of the movie. And everyone thought, well, 
I did enjoy Fast and Furious, but <laughs> I don't want to Fast and Furious my outer space, thank you. Right. Um, so I respected that, and when I saw that trailer, when I saw that edit, that was my first reaction is, oh, crap. They've gone done it. They've made Faster and Furious or in space, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. starring starring uh, Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. So <laughs> I I didn't hold out a lot of hope, and um, I'm a, I'm actually personally a fan of the Beastie Boys, and I particularly like Sabotage. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, they're going to the well again. You know, they 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 need to come up with something truly fresh and new, and they're going back to Sabotage again. I know that. Um, J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of the Beastie Boys, so I can I can imagine why he would want to put that in there, but I couldn't for the life of me understand what audience they thought they were trying to reach. I know that they have uh, created this, the the Star Wars Star. Here I join it again. <laughs> Star Dalek. Trek reboots, trying to attract a different audience. They thought that the the old Trekkies, uh, myself frankly included, got a little stodgy, got a little set in our ways, um, got a little bit too. Um, um, uh, 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 Roddenberry-esque, I guess. We just we, we believed too strongly in our own largesse, in our own Star Trek largesse, that uh, there just wasn't any more room for this franchise to grow. And so I respect what he was trying to do, but still, it just it's it's like you like you always hear us. It's not my father's Star Trek. Right. So uh, that was the early impression, but they did release other trailers that seemed to be that, that were met, I think, with a little bit more of uh, fan approval. At least that was my impression about the later trailers that came out. And, and Simon Pegg also, I guess, maybe to do some kind of damage control, just said, look, there is a lot more to this movie than just that. He was regretted that trailer got released. Um, but I, I, I don't know this. How much control does the director... Um, the people writing the script have over the way the trailers put together. Or is that a, or is that a movie house? Um, yeah, I can tell you almost none. Almost yeah, almost none. none. So, so it's like they had no control over that first trailer that came out and, you know, it seemed to go, I mean, it seemed to be a good trailer to the movie house. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, um, it's the production company that has a control over the trailer and neither JJ nor, um, 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 David. Simon Pegg. Oh. Sorry? I thought David Lynn was involved in it at all, but I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Never mind, sorry, keep going. Yeah, so none of them had any had, had any say in the edit that they made for the production. It was all the production company, and everyone disavowed it, and they rushed out a new, a new trailer. They slowed things down. They started talking about family and the and connections that people have, uh, the, the, the crew, and I think that really sort of sold it to the old school fans. Right, right. So here we are, and uh, we see we, we, we you know we, we've seen it, um, John. I know that you saw this in the midst of Comic Con, if I'm correct. Is that correct? It was actually a bit of a spectacle. Um, are you asking me my, about my experience at the actual yeah yes. premiere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I I, uh, I lucked out and I got an invite from CBS to come and join the premiere. That is um, awesome. That was pretty amazing, I'm not going to lie. So it was at the Embarcadero, which is a park behind the San Diego Convention Center. A bit of a walk past a whole bunch of multi-million dollar yachts. <laughs> and uh, then you just sort of uh, got, got shuffled into a, a broad field of, of, of a mass of people, some of whom were waiting for their uh, chance to actually just get a ticket. I already had a ticket, so I got to, you know, 
excuse me, very important person here. Let me just please <laughs> get past the velvet ropes, and once we were inside, um, I think J.J. knew that he was asking a whole lot of people to go see a movie around dinner time, so he catered dinner. He brought uh, Subway sandwiches for everyone, sodas and cookies and popcorn. Nice. Wow. And, uh, and ice cream. They had a little, uh, they had little ice cream stands among the, uh, among the crowd. And it was a very large theater setting outside with a big IMAX screen up front, and it said Star Trek Beyond on top, and had small little screens that were playing little interludes, little, uh, I could tell they were making up videos that are probably going to end up on the DVD while we were waiting. And then as the sun went down and things got nice and cool and mist started coming off of the bay into, uh, into the Embarcadero itself, they brought out the orchestra. There was going to be an orchestra playing live <gasps> alongside the film. Uh, that was wonderful. amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, the Master of Ceremonies came out to introduce everybody, and the Master of Ceremonies was Conan O'Brien. Wow. Because, <laughs> why not? Because, you know, Conan O'Brien. Okay. For right. <laughs> so here comes this immense six-foot-something redhead in a, in a leather jacket uh, trying to do comedy jokes while everyone's saying, let's see Star Trek, let's see Star Trek, uh, which was fine. Actually, he was very funny. He was very endearing, and uh, he was p poking fun at himself for being, a, for being a Star Trek fan as well, was trying to speak Klingon. It was very cute. Um, but then they started trotting out the stars, so they brought out Chris Pine. They brought out, um, um, they brought out Simon Pegg. They brought out everybody, basically everybody in the film. Idris Elba, they brought out, uh, I already said Simon Pegg, the lady who played, um, oh, wow, I'm, not, I'm really showing my, uh, sorry for the bump. Zoe Saldana? Yeah, Zoe Saldana was there, thank you. Everybody was there, and uh, and um, I can tell you right now, just about everyone on the stage was drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were very very silly up there, a little sloppy. They were very silly, but they were having a great time and they were really enjoying communicating with the fans and talking to everybody. There was a lot of people there in cosplay, really really ornate, ridiculous cosplay. Uh, thankfully, none of the people with big uh, Whoopi Goldberg hats were sitting in front of me, so that was <laughs> a good thing. Good, good. <laughs> but um, so we thought, okay, great. So this is a very nice event. J.J. Abrams comes out and he says something very solemn. He says, um, "I just would like to dedicate this film to our friends Anton and Leonard who couldn't be here today," hmm. and that got an immediate standing ovation. It was wonderful. Everybody loved it. And then he said, "Now I'd like to ask for a moment of silence for our fallen friends." And so everyone who's standing sits down on these. See, I have, I have them right here can't see it on the camera, on these nice little cushy, squishy air pillows that they gave us to sit on. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so you can see where I'm going. So we have uh, this nice, uh, nice moment of silence, a solemn moment of silence, and everyone sits down, and there's an immediate cacophony of... <laughs> a good... There, there were a, a smattering of, of people just trying desperately to stifle... <laughs> the belly laughs that were going to come because it was like I said it was supposed to be a nice solemn beautiful moment right. and it just turned into into comedy so inadvertent comedy but it was still fun so it went for a very long time that moment of silence went for a good solid 60 seconds and if you ever tried to say to stay quiet for a solid 60 seconds it, it's it's actually a very long time <laughs> but then after that they said okay so now we're going to we're, we're going to start the movie now but we're going to start with the orchestra playing the uh, overture for Star Trek uh, the 2009 Star Trek and then we'll start the film. And so we think, great, okay, the lights come down, 
And then we start seeing this heavy fog rolling in. We're thinking, oh, God, what's going on? The music is swelling, and everything's beautiful. And when they get to the crescendo of the, of the overture, the dun, 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 dun. When that starts, the laser light show and the fireworks go off. <gasps> it was just incredible. <laughs> it just uh. everyone's, everyone lost their breath for a moment. Everyone went, <gasps> and it was breathtaking. literally breathtaking. It was amazing. And I dare say that my opinion of Star Trek Beyond was probably tainted by that experience. It was just so amazing to have the orchestra there, to have the stars there, to have the laser light show and the frickin' fireworks going off, <laughs> timed with the music. It was just, it was incredibly wonderful. And then the music, and then the, the movie started and everyone was enraptured and I was surprised at how good the picture looked even though we were in an outdoor uh, amphitheater. But it was great. It was so much fun. Uh, and I laughed at all the jokes, and I, I clutched my heart when I saw. Uh, uh, are we in spoiler territory now? You can yes, spoil it. It's been long it. enough. Yeah, it's been long. I, I I clutched my heart when I saw the photograph at the end when Zachary Quinto opened up the little photograph of the original crew in uh, in Ambassador Spock's mementos. Mm. It was such a wonderful, such a wonderful film. I really mm. really enjoyed it. Now, not without its flaws, not without its flaws. It was still <laughs> wonderful. It was wonderful. Indeed, uh, and, and how many times, have you seen it only at that time, or did you go see it then in theaters again? So I immediately reported back to Mrs. Frage, my lovely wife Heather, and uh, gave her the rundown, what I've just described to you. And she went and she saw it the next morning. And then uh, when I got back from Comic-Con, I said, you know, I kind of would like to see it again. Would you go? And she's like, oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we went and we saw it over at the Alamo Draft House near us and, uh, and loved it again. And I think I loved it more the second time. Wow. I think it was because I could forgive a lot of the things, a lot of the pick, the nits that I picked in the first, yeah. in the first viewing. Yeah, we do want to hear about that then. Um, M. Miles, how was your, how was your experiences going to see this? Well, not quite the spectacle that it was for Frage, but it was no. still enjoyable. A friend of mine and I went to go see it. He it was sort of like a belated birthday gift. He paid, so that that made it even better. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we 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 saw it at Penn Cinema. Um, this the standard definition one. Uh, I was very pleased with what I saw. Like John, yeah, it has a few flaws, but I think this one's the best out of the three uh, from the, the, the rebooted Star Trek. Um, I thought this this movie did pay a lot of wonderful homage to the Star Trek before, and there's tons and tons of Easter eggs for people who are who are fans of all the Star Trek uh, for them there. Hmm. Um, you know, it, I, th I think it, it does a pretty good job of you know catering to a young crowd, giving them the action, giving them the big explosions and stuff. But for us older Star Trek fans, we want a story, we want important questions to be asked. And I think it, it for the most part it did that too. Uh, yeah, and so, so I saw it the next morning too in uh, IMAX 3D. <laughs> <laughs> so you did see it in IMAX then. I, I yeah, I see it. And, yeah. And so uh, any any big difference for you between seeing it standard definition and the IMAX, or basically the same film, just a little bit flashier? Just a yeah, just a little flashier on a bigger screen. I, I didn't need to see it in IMAX 3D, but I figured, eh, why not? Um, it, it, I don't think it improved my enjoyment of the movie that much more, but I just wanted to see it again because I knew there was something I missed and I think there's even now things I might have missed that I really wanted so I I, I could pr I will probably see it again before it totally leaves theaters very good very good how about you Em? Um, I went with friends 
the Saturday that it opened, and like a like a child, I was just sitting there on 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 the edge, and that there's something about that overture that's just it invokes a, a, a need for adventure and wonder and like what are they gonna do this time, um, and. I was very pleased with this film because it was action-y, but not like... It wasn't all giant spaceships and green screens. It was our characters fighting for their lives and fighting for other people's lives. And that... Uh, it, there was... You could see the hint of, of fastest and furiousest, but I, I, it was something I was kind of craving. I didn't want it to be in space. Star Trek not in space I know seems a little weird, but to have very character-driven stories and a lot of face time with them and a lot of you know action time with them it's super it's just it was really lovely i i left very very pleased i just haven't had a chance to go and see it again but i would very much like to see it again you would like to get to 13 dollars you spent in suicide squad back to go see it again yeah. 1350 <laughs> oh yeah it was it was, it was, I don't know how to put it. I was very satisfied with this film. There, there are some nits to pick. I agree. Um, but I was very satisfied with this film. Well, since you guys have all been like talking about this, what, what are the nits? What are the nitpicks that, the, that the things that, the small things that didn't ruin the film? And we're going to say this up front. You guys obviously have glowing reviews of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that you felt were small things that kind of bothered you that you wish would have been done different. Phrase, do you want to start? Yeah. So um, as soon as I, as soon as the lights came up and we all stood up and started looking around at each other, asking, "Oh, so what'd you think? What'd you think?" I I ran first into uh, a friend of mine who works over at CBS, and I said, "So what did you think?" And the first thing he said was, "The timing doesn't work." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "The whole Makos thing. The Makos were dissolved." And so the uh, uh, crawl was one of the captains, was one of the um, uh, high-ranking Mako commanders who, mm-hmm. when the Makos were dissolved, uh, became captain of one of the first Warp 4 starships. Well, that, that timing doesn't work because there were Makos on the first Warp 5 starship nearly uh, 40 years later. So the timing just doesn't work there. Uh, there were a couple of other dates that didn't work that, that coincided with, with Archer's mission. Um, we know that the timeline shifted during the time of the Kelvin, which came after the time of Archer. So the timeline hadn't changed. Uh, that was broken. That was completely broken and easily fixable. And I think that's what's galling about errors like that, is that that kind of thing could have been very, very easily fixed by talking to even the most rudimentary fan of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. They could have caught that. Hmm. So for you, the errors that bothered you were the errors that you felt they weren't the really minute stuff. They were stuff that were pretty glaring. Well, I mean, it's it's continuity problems, and I'm willing to forgive them uh, if they had all they had to do was say that they had mothballed a whole bunch of warp four ships, and then they brought them back as 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 an expeditionary force, and they assigned a whole bunch of old Makos to these old aging starships. And I can imagine Crawl being kind of galled by that and and getting getting all bitter. Okay. That they could have done that, but they didn't. How about you, Miles? I can't remember the actual captain's name. I keep calling him Crawl, but I can't remember the actual captain's name. Do you remember? Uh, Baltish, Baltishazar Edison. 
Edison. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We'll just go by Edison. <laughs> easier. That's a bit easier, Edison. Yeah. So uh, was that your nitpick? Did you have other nitpicks as well? I, I, I That was one. I think the way they – I mean, because I, I read about that, and the way they, res, they resolved it, or, or at least the ship was built, you know, but – you know, it was a it was a warp force ship built in twenty one forties, but it's just stayed in service through the twenty one sixties. They should have made that a little clearer. Um, you know, in, in that, it, in like 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 Frey said, it wouldn't have been much to 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 fix. It was a um, so there was that. Um, just an explanation. Basically, crawl is a is a wraith from Stargate Atlantis. The way he can um, drain the life force out of people. Although when he does, he sometimes his form, they never explain how he was able to do that, except there was this tech on the planet that, that gave them longevity. But I would have liked the, them to explain that more is how is he, a, you know, what, what did he do to, to get that ability? And I guess the, the people that are, I mean, I, I don't, his crew, his minions, or whatever—I I don't know if it's assumed that the, these are cr- these are crew from the USS Franklin that served with him, and they're they've gone rogue along with him. Um, that really wasn't explained that well. I mean, they said there was some technology left on a planet which gave them the ability to destroy the Enterprise, basically. But it would have been nice they would have filled that in in for me. So it was just a gap for you in the story. Yes. Yeah. And um, how about you? Did you have uh, did you have points of that you say, well, that didn't seem quite right for me. So, as much as I adore Simon Pegg, I think he's incredible. I mean, beyond incredibly talented, and he put together an amazing film very quickly. Like a good, there were still moments of, um, there was just moments that were just a little, a little cheesy. And I don't need to see Scotty being bumbly anymore. Scotty was incredibly bright and ingenious. And, you know, him being, oh, oh, lasse, lasse this, lasse that. It just, it got a little, it got a little overdone for me. Um, I will say that Simon Pegg's Scott uh, accent has gotten a lot better. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I agree. (laughs) Um, Some of the story pacing was a little there was a little it was a little jarring but i can forgive that um i didn't have the knowledge of the timeline um and as i listened to you guys talk about well this ship and that ship and we were already discussing this <laughs> in the bottom of the science building so that's i i know i make fun of it a little bit but i now that i know that that kind of irks me a little um i think that lends to the fact that he that they had to write a new script in, in three five weeks. weeks, yeah, it was an incredible short amount of time, and so. I was <laughs> I was at the Alamo, um, at a double feature, uh, hosted by Patton Oswalt, who is my favoriteest person in the world. Um, he, we were talking about something like a bunch of us were just sitting there having a chat, and he had commented about getting a text, uh, from Simon Pegg that he was uh, he only had. Like they they're starting principal photography in four weeks and he's only got like three pages done. <laughs> and being in that space with Pat Oswalt and having that moment will always forever 
mean the world to me, but I I can see where the sloppiness as far as the timeline comes from, and it's it's not it's not a hundred percent forgivable because you gotta you gotta be careful about that kind of thing, and you can't just say oh it's a new timeline because like Frey said the timeline has changed but right. not that much and it's it changed after a certain point and it's we, very we noticed that yeah you know and it's 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 one thing to have um yeah especially when you have all these people with knowledge that could read over a script to do the fact checking of it you would think that they would catch stuff like that with that being well, said still they paid homage to the Star Trek that came before, they paid homage to Enterprise, they paid homage, they mentioned the Zindi War, um, they mentioned the roar with the Romulans, they mentioned the Makos. I mean, that, those were so, still some nice Easter eggs. Maybe there's something on the cutting room floor. And they yeah, just kind of Maybe. trimmed it. Because it, it was long. But not in a, let me look at my watch six times long. It, was, it wasn't it was, as long as Suicide Squad. You know what? All right, you need to stop bringing that movie. Up. I, that memories. movie makes me okay. We'll stop. Angry. <laughs> it was ten minutes shorter. And I let it, was, it all out a half was, an hour before. It was ten minutes shorter than Suicide. I was just kidding. But. It was long enough. I had to really go to the bathroom when the movie was over. Scott, yeah, I know. Um, so well, help so, me. So East Easter eggs, Miles. You brought up Easter eggs. Em, did I, I, did you notice any Easter eggs that stuck out to you? I'd have to see it again. Yeah. I was just, I was in my happy place of childlike wonder. Okay. And I had a beer in my hand and a breakfast pizza because we were <laughs> at the Alamo at like 10, at a 10, 10 o'clock showing. You can't go to the Alamo and not get a beer. And they had, they have breakfast pizza. How can you not get that? You can't. I mean, you have to. Definitely. So my tummy was full and I had a nice beer in my hand. Um, a very nice Vienna lager. And I enjoyed the film. Immensely. I got to see a movie a couple times to really find some of the stuff. Yeah. So when, when Miles, when you said there were a whole ton of Easter eggs, I'm curious what, what was there? Well, there's a lot. I mean, I'll just mention a couple. Um, there's a line where Dr. McCoy said they're theorizing what happened to the, to Franklin. One of the things he says, a big giant hand. Well, that, that comes from the, uh, the big giant hand is from the original series episode. Um, who mourns for Adonai? Adonis. Or Adonis. I don't, I'm not sure. Each, yeah. So you have that. Um, just they had McCoy and Spock. They had some nice good together stuff. Mm, they they, yes, they, 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 they had, That's what they had in, 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 the, you know, in the past TV series and the films. There was nice moments between Spock and McCoy either goofing on each other or trying to sur- and trying to survive. And they, they, they did it with the, with, with – the new Spock and the new McCoy, and it was just wonderful. Um, the, uh, the the Commodore of the uh, space station, um, her name is Commodore Paris. That could be homage to Tom Paris and yeah. Voyager, or his father, Admiral Paris. Yeah, um, that's not accidental. It, yeah. yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Uh, so. Um, that's right, because Tom Paris had talked about. In one of the when in one of the when we finally got a, a Tom Paris story uh, in Voyager, his whole family had spent just generations in Starfleet. Yeah, so, so that's that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, John, how about you? What were some of the Easter eggs that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I really enjoyed the the giant green hand thing. That was one of the first things that I noticed. Um, the callback to the Zindi War by Edison 
was uh, was nice. I enjoyed that. Um, let me think. There were what was something that jumped out at me? There were there were little things here and there. Oh, the one thing that I really loved was uh, the toast at the beginning of the film, where they were uh, wishing Kirk a happy birthday, and they got the the bottle from Chekhov's locker. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> every, th- there was there was also when I when I talked about there being an audible uh, sigh uh, during some of the more poignant moments at the end, there was also an audible sigh when they poured three glasses and clinked that one. Everybody in the place knew that was for Anton. Everybody knew they'd reshot that specifically mm. for Anton. I don't know that for for sure, but that's how it felt. And I know it's not an Easter egg, but it was it was one of the more more poignant moments. Um, and also, like, uh, and all, speaking of Chekhov, Chekhov always talking about how uh, actually Scotch was invented by a little old lady from Russia. That's from an episode, isn't it? Oh yeah, he's. I think that was the uh, trouble with triples. He spends a lot of time talking about how Quadrochetikeli was actually invented by a Russian. Everything yeah. is invented by the Russians. According <laughs> to Chekhov. So I have a question. There, when they're talking, when Kirk is doing his um, his monologue over the scenes of living on the ship. There's a dude getting pushed out of a girl's room and his <laughs> shirt thrown at him. That was Chekhov, wasn't it? I don't re- re- I don't think it was the Chekhov. The build, the hair, all of it looked like Chekhov. I need to watch it again for that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch that one. I mean, I did see the I remember looking at the actor, but I don't remember it being Chekhov. Okay. Because then it would have been funny because he was all flirty with the girl at the beginning. He was all flirty with the girl at the end. I thought, all right, well, Chekhov's young. He's got that great accent. He's kind of cute. I'm sure he was a bit of a player on the ship. <laughs> I blame your breakfast beer on that one. <laughs> hey. Well, maybe it was a pizza. It was, maybe it was only a pizza. like 4.8%. <laughs> oh. I will say visually, this was a gorgeous film. Absolutely. Loved mm. the uniforms. Loved the ship. Love the 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 characters. I loved the 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 um, the aliens. Um, what's her name? Kamala? No. Um, Jayla. Kalara. Oh. No. Well, Kalara was, was beautiful. Uh, Jayla. Jayla. Ah, oh, what a gorgeous, gorgeous. She was like a she was like an objet d'art. Unbelievable, and she was so. She was just such a nice badass. And I love that I was a little bit hoping that at the end that um, Scotty was going to say, well, why don't you just stay on the ship with us and, like, make her an intern? You know, kind of like Wesley being allowed to be sort of flying the ship. Because can, I share, not... can I share an anecdote about Jayla? Yes, please. Yes. One of the uh, interstitials they were playing at the beginning of the film was uh, them talking about the origin of Jayla and how she came to be called Jayla. Have you seen this? Have you seen this video? Uh-uh. No. So Simon Pegg was trying to create this this female, the strong female lead, and when he was trying to describe her to the producers, he basically said, I want Jennifer Lawrence. Just imagine Jennifer Lawrence kicking ass all day long. <laughs> and so they called her J-Lore, just as crib notes, just like, so, so J-Lore is doing this and J-Lore is doing that, and they finally said, you know, that's, that's pretty good, but we can't be that on the nose. Let's call her J-La and be done with it. She's named for Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yes. I would lose my business if I was if I was Jennifer Lawrence right now. And imagine if they had cast her. Oh God. <gasps> that would have been funny. Not that the actress Jayla did a phenomenal job. 
Yeah, Sophia Botella. She's gorgeous. And that gorgeous accent of hers, she didn't really need to whatever little whatever other vocalization she did for her accent, it was it was it felt like she that's an alien accent. She did such a gorgeous job portraying that character. So who is who is the actor that played her again? Sophia Botella. Okay. And She's what Algerian. Is, and, yeah, and what what has she done before? She was in the um, oh that terrible movie. <laughs> Suicide um, Squad. She was in Kingsman, the Kingsman, the Secret Service. Okay. Um, she was in Street Dance, and then she's kind of new. Okay. Right. But she just has this wonderful look about her that says, uh, "I you should just leave me alone because I will stab you." And then make you into souffle. <laughs> oh, okay, very good. Yeah, so it was you, oh, so, so you, good. So you, Such you, good you, characters. You were talking about how visually stunning the movie was. Uh, what was there anything in particular? I mean, so you mentioned some different things, but what like was the way it was filmed? The way it was, um, the, the special the worlds effects? they created. The new uniforms are awesome. Long sleeves, yay! Um, for the dresses, um, they were just in a whole different land. The destruction of the Enterprise, I mean, as sad as oh. it is, it was still epic how they did it. I missed the lens flares, though. <laughs> no, they did no lens the flares? flares were noticeably absent. Oh, yeah, well, JJ wasn't directing, but just with the, I mean, they, they did a piece, they these uh drones sheared the nacelles off first. And then... Oh God, yeah, that was my my heart was in my throat. I just couldn't. I just kept thinking, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? And then I had to remind myself, it's a movie. Of course, they're going to win. Uh, the franchise will be done. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they even did. I mean, but visually, it was beautiful. It was beautifully done. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, but they did, like I said, piece by piece. And then Crawl says, "We're going to cut their throat," or I forget, or, or cut their. I don't know. Cut so. So the drones then shear off the uh, the secondary hull, the engineering section. So it's just the saucer and the neck, and then they actually separate. You know, so the, so the ship can land more in a controlled state. They have to do a do a saucer separation. So they saw they, they they separate the saucer from the rest of the ship as it crash lands on the planet. Okay. But question: was, I thought that the Enterprise with Picard was the first one that could separate it's the first one that did at least canonically but yeah. there are old um uh matt jeffrey's drawings that indicate that the saucer could separate from the neck okay i, I think the, the enterprise d was i mean they could it, it could become two vehicles um but in an emergency situation the saucer could separate and become like a lifeboat uh for the crew um it just it and it could it had, it had it's just some, you never saw it before. We never saw it on film or anything, but it's it, new gen, next generation. But ne next next generation, yeah, we actually saw it, and the idea was it could also operate as two independent ships. Although the saucer can only go at sublight speeds. Yeah, it was impressive when you saw it the first time. Oh yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. and obviously impressive this time too. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, John, John, visually, uh, what was your impression of this film? There were two things that really struck out for me. So uh, Justin Lin was, uh, 
I got to give him a lot of credit because I, I had low expectations because of the Fast and the Furious thing. I was worried that it was going to be so visually busy that it would be impossible to follow. There have been several movies like that um, in my memory, and I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, put a pin in one, like um, uh, the Born Identity 2 or the second Born Identity movie mm. um, was just so visually active. They had like really close-up and shaky camera stuff, and I had a really hard time following the action sequences. Um, he didn't do that. Um, there was a lot of action. There was a lot of visual things going on, but you could still follow. So I have to give him a lot of credit for that, a lot of credit. The second thing that I thought was amazing was how he completely avoided most of the standard everyday shots of the Starship. So I'm a big fan of what we uh, enthusiasts like to call Starship porn, which is just beauty shots of every ship from every angle. Mm. But there's some angles that you saw in this movie that you've never seen before, these incredibly wide-angle fisheye lenses from below above the dish and below the photon torpedo launchers as the as the uh, as the enterprise is leaving Yorktown beautiful shots beautiful shots uh, shots of seeing the franklin below the water uh, that was so cool and have it have it do- dove out of the water to stop the uh, to stop the drone ships mm-hmm. Just really beautiful shots really well done it was elegant mm. Yeah, that's the that's the best word for it. It, it was really... absolutely elegant. That fight inside the inside the the space station was just it was balletic. I it was stunning. Yeah. I don't think I've been I don't think I've been as happy with a film as I was with that one. And I went in with very high expectations. I went in expecting character and story and less ship, and I think it was something I was craving because I I find as I rewatch the TV show, I miss that. I miss the interaction of characters. So when we got all the Spock and and Bones time, that was that was it was oh, Spock and Bones. I could have just soaked in that tub till I was pruny. Just I could I could watch those two all day. All day. And just the little jabs here about green green blood and, you know, human things and when Poor shit. Yes. What does excrement have to do with thing? Yeah. And and that and and the few times Zachary Quinto's just he's just I think he's nailed. I think he's nailed it with with um, Spock, and really being able to when he's in that tough situation because in the TV show I don't remember Spock ever really losing. He would get humany, but then he would go back to being Spock. Um, and Leonard did as best as he could with what he had, but I think with Zachary, they've given him really a lot of license to play with the character. So when we get to see the human side of Spock, it's it just rips your heart out. There are emotional moments in some movies that that try too hard to tug at those heartstrings, to try and evoke emotion from what would be a heartbreaking scene. But I always have a problem with a lot of them because you don't, emotionally pay for those scenes. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you when you see something happening on screen and it's a, they're, they're try, you can see that they're trying to make you sad, but really something sad has happened, but you don't feel badly because you're not emotionally invested in the characters or the scene or the action. Mm. And, and when, when, Spock, when Zachary Quinto's Spock started laughing at the situation that he and Bones were in, it, <laughs> it, was, it was catharsis. It was, the, it was right. Star Trek catharsis to the highest degree. Right. 
So they made you care about the moments. And so that when the emotion came, that the payoff the was there. The payoff was there. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. You know, one of the uh one of the big complaints about the last two movies were that that they were recycling some old storylines and some old plot lines that have been done before in Star Trek. How did you guys feel when you hit this movie? Did they did he pretty much tell a new story with some old you know Easter eggs, or was there was this kind of a recycled story from before? Miles, it felt unique. Oh, yeah. ahead, it man. felt different. I I think it was a still a new. It was a new story, but it was also um, they they embraced its history, embraced what it was by going back to Archer's time and talking about you know the, the, this the guy who was the, the the antagonist. He's a former Starfleet officer. He's a former Mako. If you're a fan of Star Trek, you know you know who these people are. Uh, so they they are going back, but this story has never been told before of this of this person going rogue and so it's a new story. It's a new story, but it is, but they give you a ton of Easter eggs. So, um, and they and they they do it well. I mean, so it's a new story in a in a universe that's already been established in a world in a society that's kind of established. Yes. Yeah. Uh, John, your thoughts on this? So I was a little worried. Um, I had advanced knowledge of the destruction of the Enterprise, and I thought, oh, okay, so the third movie, they're going to destroy the Enterprise, and at the end, they're going to have an Enterprise A. Ah, where have I seen that before? In another third movie. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I kept thinking, come when on, Marina guys. When Marina Sirtis crashed the ship. <laughs> right. Never, for the, for the record, never let Marina Sirtis ever pilot your starship. She will F shit up. <laughs> why did I believe that word and not shit? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, the the story was uh, was unique. It was a brand new story that was new. What I, I what I think I liked was the departure from Pines Kirk to Shatner's Kirk in the same era of the five year mission. You never saw Shatner's Kirk ever feel like uh, he he's tired of being where he is and he wanted out. At the end of the five-year mission, yes, he does he does get the Admiralty, uh, but he, he finishes it. Three years into Pine's five-year mission, and he's already bored. Mm. So that's a departure, and I like that, actually. I think that he matured very rapidly uh, as a character, um, and, uh, and so now he's, now he's looking for something new. And I, and I like that it, it, he's, Chris Pine is now making Kirk his own. Mm-hmm. Just like just like Zachary Quinto now has the responsibility of being the only Spock there is, which is, which is upsetting. But he he takes that. Well, it's one of the things he said that night during the Q and A, was the weight of responsibility he feels for now having to maintain that character, uh, forward. He doesn't have his friend Leonard to guide him anymore. Mm. So, uh, watching them grow and become their own characters and not just mere images of the ones that came back in the '60s, is wonderful. Hmm. A breath of fresh air, then. In yeah, the middle, absolutely. In the middle of that. Uh, your thoughts in this, Adam? Recycled storylines. <laughs> it's. I don't know. I kind of dumped it all out there already. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's I, fine. It's there's just I. Yeah. Well, I don't want to sit here and mumble. No. Um, <laughs> but it. 
it was it was really good storytelling with a couple of glitches, but for the time that they had, I can I can forgive that a little. And I don't know if it's my fandom for for this entire collective making this movie and carrying on these names, but I feel like they did it justice. I feel like they've they've the first film kind of set them up. The second film, I was disappointed at the recycling. I think this is the film I have been wanting and looking forward to, and I want it to continue on this path. They've established, they revisited, and now they are on their own, and, and I'm, I'm very impressed. Well, we're going to get another one, right? Star Trek IV, yes. the fourth one mm-hmm. coming out. Um and we do uh, we do know a little bit about that, don't we? Yeah, uh, Christopher Hemsworth, the actor who most nobody knows, he plays Thor in in, uh, in Avengers, the whole Marvel Universe movies. He's he's going to be reprising his role as George Kirk uh, in the Ooh. next one. Yeah. yeah, which will be interesting because he died in that film. So it'll be interesting to see how they what they do to bring him back. Time Could travel. they be doing a time travel movie in the fourth film? That's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> no. There, there are rumors that somehow this is how the uh, Abrams verse, a.k.a. The, uh, the, what do they call it now? Kelvin timeline. Kelvin verse, yeah, the Kelvin timeline. How they reconcile the Kelvin timeline back into the prime timeline in that somehow Kirk goes back in time and prevents his father's death. No. Thus resetting the universe back to the way it was. No. <laughs> I would Rumors. be actually very upset if they did that. Rumors. Yeah, I would be. Um, Rumors. All those connections you have, Fraish. Those do just... not come from my normal connections. Okay, whatever <laughs> connections you have, you need to we can blame email them all and you know CC me and just say, BT Dubs, M says nope. That's right. <laughs> M says nope. Please hire her. She will make sure... She will. I'll carry around like a small pillow, and every time somebody decides to do something that's that that it makes me go nope, I'll just smack them in the head with it. <laughs> I'm gonna walk around with a with a tiny little Sebastian and just yell nope, and hit him with little Sebastian. That's for all you Parks and Rec fans out there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we can blame Dayton. He's not here to defend himself. No, here, I'll tell him on Facebook right now. Yeah, very good. Nicely. We're talking about you. <laughs> Ears are burning. I wouldn't do that. I love him. Yeah, he'll kill you off. It's happened to us before, Miles. Yes. I well, know, but... We're not dead yet. We're not dead. We're not dead yet. No. Not our dead fates, yet. Our, our face, our fates I asked pressed. him to put me in the book, so that absolutely means I'm getting killed off. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, um, other other things that you're taking away from this film or that stand out to you as you look back in this film, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching an hour here, so we're going to wrap this up soon, but um, other thoughts you have as you walk away from this film or things that you want to say about this film, Miles? I'm going to borrow what Freddie said earlier about when young Spock is looking at uh, Ambassador Spock's effects and he gets that picture of a nice shot of the, the original crew, the original actors playing the crew, yeah, um, I almost welled up when it te- teared up when I saw that. Uh, that was just that was beautiful. I mean, I did, yeah, maybe from Star Trek Five, one of the least liked Star Trek movies ever, but it's a great shot of all of them in that picture. And I thought that was just 
phenomenal that they, they did that. Very cool. Very so cool. the way the way they you know paid you know they they addressed. I mean Leonard Nimoy is no longer with us, so Ambassador Spock is no longer with us. But they they addressed it, they dealt with it, and. Doing... It was beautifully done. It was so respectful and so honorable. Yes, yes. And with a man like Leonard Nimoy, that's that's the way to do it. So they, they paid a lot of you know they paid much respect and honor to Leonard Nimoy in in, in that film. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how about you? The things that you're t- that you take away. I mean, I know you're saying you want to see this movie again, but when you walked out of the theater, what were the things that really that you that you said, "Wow"? That that, that I painting? I feel like I got a Star Trek I have been craving. I was very sated by this movie because it wasn't all. And I like a little ship porn too. Like that, just that moment of, that's amazing. And we definitely got some of that, but to get people, to get, you know, to get more of the characters. Because the TV show affords us that. It gives us, we'll get like a whole episode about somebody. We'll get hours of them. And with the movies, we get two hours, 15 minutes of all of them. So to get a little bit more time with each of them was was joyful. Hmm. And uh, John, how about you? So I'm reminded of the end of Star Trek The Motion Picture when um, after the credits, the last thing you see are the, are, are the words, the human adventure continues. And that never really resonated with me until I think I saw Star Trek Beyond, where we disconnected us from from a lot of the technology and the starship and really focused on the people, really focused on the characters and their interaction, their love and camaraderie for each other. And that's really kind of where it made the connection with me that this is not about the starships and the, and the sci-fi and the tech and the laser guns. It's about, it's about the people. The human adventure continues, and I think that really... It really cemented it for me, and I got to say, well done to Simon Pegg. Uh, seriously, well done to Simon Pegg and to Justin Lin for that. But if I had my druthers, the fourth Star Trek movie in the in the uh, uh, in the Kelvin timeline is going to be written by Simon Pegg, and directed by Edgar Wright. <gasps> yes. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. So the, absolutely, the likely, absolutely. <laughs> the likelihood of that happening is what? Is, there, is that likely? I mean, Simon Pegg oh, no, on the no, docket? No, no, no. That would never happen. That would never happen. But They would never let Edgar Wright make this movie because they're jerks. <laughs> but would they, but is Simon Pegg, based on this movie, is he going to get a chance to write Star Trek IV? Probably. I, I, I hope so. I mean, I this think he'll was, be involved. Yeah. This was, a, this was a successful outing. I mean. Now he's No doubt he's a talented writer. I mean, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he definitely Without should. A doubt. Yeah. He should write the next one. He should. She's definitely right. Yeah. So um, on a little side note, we have, so between now and movie four, we have a TV series coming your way. Oh, yes. So coming out next January, is that correct? Yes. Yes. That's correct. And uh, and so what do we know about this series as we uh, kind of, this is our next bit of track that we get to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles, what do we know about this? <laughs> Um, it's going to be called Star Trek Discovery. The ship is going to be called Discovery. They showed what the ship will, will probably look like, although that's not the final um, cut, whatever it is. There's already a trailer of, of the ship flying around. They actually took borrowed some of that design from an old um, 
conjectural design of the Enterprise they thought they might use for the motion picture. I th- I've heard conflicting things, but the last thing I heard was it's going to take place in the prime timeline, prime universe, and it's going to take place like 30 years or so before before the original series. Does that, that, does that seem to jive what you understand, Fraish? I'm going to have to plead the fifth. Okay. Oh. Oh, do you acknowledge you're not allowed to disclose? He does. So that's that. That's what I know. I've heard. I conf- can see you. Your camera's on. Oh my, oh my God! You've got it's like uh, the cat that ate the mouse thing. Whatever that phrase is. So yeah, what what Miles has said is correct. It it will be in the Prime Universe. Uh, the starship is the Discovery. And that's NCC all you can see. One zero three one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so when you say the prime universe, are we talking like, so it's it's between Enterprise and um and the original series? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it won't be affected by the movies. That that is what my understanding, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, is there any reason why they couldn't have gone beyond? The uh, last one was Deep Space Nine was the last one? Was that uh, right? Voyager was the last one. Voyager would have been the last one in the future. Mm-hmm. So is there a reason that they didn't go beyond that that you know of? I, I don't know why they chose that direction. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like it seems like, like with, they tried that with Enterprise with mixed results going back before the Enterprise. Uh, yeah, this would be a prequel also. And uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can relay conversations I've had with one of the writers for the show, um, Kristen Beyer, who has written a lot of Star Trek oh, she novels. Oh, she was on our show before. We've yes. Yeah. yeah. She writes for Star Trek Voyager currently. And um, conversations I've had with her. Now, this conversation I had with her was well before she was ever approached for Discovery. Okay. So one of the problems that she had writing for Star Trek Voyager is how, how the tech just kept on advancing and advancing and advancing and advancing to the point where uh, you could beam across the galaxy using tech that they had recovered from aliens found in the, in, the, in the Delta Quadrant. So the tech was actually, the advancements in tech were getting in the way of good storytelling because space is vast and it's about discovery. And if you shrink the distances between all of these wonderful spaces, the, the payoff is less. Like I was talking about the emotional payoff of an emotional scene. If, if you don't pay for it, you don't feel it. So if you have to travel vast distances to get to some bad guy, but now all of a sudden it takes five minutes to get there, it's, it's, it doesn't have the impact that it did. Mm. So I can tell from that that she would have rather written for an earlier time when tech was less assured. And, uh, and she is writing for such discovery, and that's good because she's a, she's a really good writer. Oh, I've enjoyed her novels, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So that's good, so... And that, that's awesome. I'm really, uh, really glad about that. One thing I liked about the, you know, just, just go back to the movie just for a second. Um, I like what they did with the um, Universal Translator with that alien woman. Uh, yes. Yes. It, <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it, well, just, I mean, in, in a lot of sci-fi and, and, and Star Trek, I mean, we, there's this magical thing called a Universal Translator, and there's instant understand, you know, it instantly tr- translates your words into whatever the other person's languages they can immediately understand it they to did the some... point where you you can even infiltrate an alien species and they don't see your mouth moving differently <laughs> than the voice that's coming out of your little right pin yes <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly, but I mean, it, they did it right. I mean, after she said something in her language, the Universal Translator translated it into English. It was that's how it would. I mean, you know, that's how practically it would work. And so I thought that was cool. They they actually they made the the, the issue of language a challenge to overcome at, when they first encountered this alien woman. And I don't know. I thought that was I like I like what they did there. Hmm. I understand that. I mean, for TV to move the story along, sometimes you just got to have everybody understand each other. But I mean, but but really, if there are, you know, you know, language would be a barrier you'd have to overcome. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah, you put a fish in the air. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that would be a <laughs> that would be Douglas Adams. Then, but. Well, very good. Any uh, any final thoughts here as we uh, look at wrapping up the show? Uh, how do you, how do you, uh, uh, am I know that you rate this the best of the three, uh, John, how do you feel about this in line with, we are not, the, not all the Trek movies, but just these, the JJ movies. How do you feel about I, this one? I agree. Best of the three. Uh, if you asked, uh, if you asked Heather, my wife, she actually rates uh, the first movie better than this one, but certainly better than, uh, than the second. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And, and I, I know that people ripped on the second. I enjoyed the second. I mean, I know that it had its mm. faults, but. I enjoyed. I did show. too, but I had to sort of hold my tongue for a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and Miles, you, uh, how do you rate this among the three? This this is the best out of the three. The best out of the three. Yeah, very good. So go see it if you haven't. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good. Or, or see it again. Yeah, see it three <laughs> times. Why don't you? I mean, support it. It needs to beat Suicide Squad. It needs somewhere. support. It needs yeah. support. Actually, it definitely needs support. Yes. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Sounds good. Like, um, Just looking forward to what's next. Yeah, let's bring it. I, I hope I hope they have Simon Pegg write it, and they hope they have a good director um, direct it. Um, this this movie fired on all cylinders. A few flaws here and there, but nothing that would say that that, would, that took me out of the movie, and I would hate it. So, but yeah, very good, John. Thank you so much for coming on to talk Star Trek with us. Thank you guys for being uh, for being fl- very flexible with my time. I've, I've been a little busy lately, so I appreciate you uh, bending a little bit. Th- that being said, uh, do you want to plug Think Geek at all? Uh, yeah. So if you uh, if you want some new Star Trek merchandise, not not uh, unfortunately we don't have a lot of Star Trek Beyond merchandise. Although I'm working on a mug that you may have seen at the beginning of the film. Yes. <laughs> Come to thinkgeek.com and we'll we'll certainly scratch that nerdy itch. Uh, we, that that you will that will any uh, any items that you want to brag about that you guys are currently having the market uh let's see I, you know you put me on the spot and i know i launched a whole bunch of really good stuff today and it, um, i'm just flaking on it so there was something that popped up day. yesterday in the email too that i almost emailed you about and said oh, i want to see this in real life hold on i'm going through my email right now <laughs> yeah i'm going to going to the site right now like what, yeah, did we launch? what, what, what do we put on our site now <laughs> uh yeah. Well, I there know was that, a lot of neat stuff. I know that Miles, and you're, you're doing the you're countdown fam- discount too to your birthday, right? Yeah. So this is actually our anniversary week. We turned 17 on Saturday. Ooh. Almost legal. Almost legal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't. Resist. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, there's there's one thing I can I can actually pump. Uh, so there are two things actually that I'm really excited about. Uh, first is our collaboration with the company called the Wan Company. We made the finest, and I'm talking the finest replica of the uh, original series Star Trek Communicator, 
Bluetooth communicator pairs with your phone, works exactly as you think it does. When you flip it open, it chirps, it answers your phone. When you close the lid, it hangs up. When your phone rings, your communicator goes beep, beep, like you would expect it would. Um, the, the, the little moiré pattern in the center works. It's it's beautiful. It's perfect. We spent a lot of time working on it, and I can't believe we got the exclusive. So you can only find it at StarTrek.com and ThinkGeek.com. That one's amazing. The other thing that I did recently was in collaboration with the folks at Mezco, um, a one-twelfth scale Mr. Spock figure. So he's like six inches tall. But he's the mirror, mirror Spock variant. So he's wearing the sash. He's got the he's got the goatee on. He's got the ooh got sexy the, uh, Spock. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Captain Kirk, I will consider it before he beams him back. Um, that's a, that's also our exclusive. You can only get it at ThinkGeek.com. My two favorite Star Trek things on the site right now. Awesome. And for fans of the Wan Company, we are working with them on a third collaboration that uh, I can't talk in too much detail yet, but if you liked the communicator and you liked the phaser that we did with them, you're going to really like what we're working on next. Tease, tease, tease. Tease, tease, tease. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so. Ooh, the CP- C-3PO flats from Irregular are on sale. Yay. Yep. <laughs> Those are awesome. Oh, the Hogwarts banners. Though That is super cool. Yep, I think we launched those yesterday. Those are great. Those are super cool. We have so much Harry Potter this fall. Oh, no doubt. That's good. Have you read the the new book? Of course, I have. I haven't finished it yet. I haven't. I'm, still, I'm haven't trying to savor it. Right now, I'm doing school reading, so I'm out of it. But I've been on oh a brand. Gosh, of, I've been so on a, much fun stuff. I've been on a brand of Sanderson kick. But so, John, uh, seriously, how much Think Geek stuff do you have in your house? There's no way you have enough room for everything from Think Geek. I, I try to keep it all at work. I have a um, I have a Mr. Fusion right here, so it's a full size Mr. Fusion, the one that goes on the back of your DeLorean. Right. Um, the back of I, your DeLorean. Good. Yeah, yeah I've got some uh, some Zing Pop, uh, Zing Pop, some uh, um, some uh, uh, Funko Pops here. I've got a, a Kaylee Fry figurine here. I've got um, oh, what is this? I've got <laughs> replica Malcolm Reynolds pistol. Which is the screen used prop? Yeah, awesome. I love that very much. I have all kinds of stuff in here. Uh, yeah. I but, love the new Star Trek jewelry. That's beautiful. Those are great. Those are great. Those are really, really elegantly done. They don't look, they don't look cheap. They look expensive, and they are the price is phenomenal. Do you know but what they this, really look absolutely lovely. This is beginning to sound like QVC. Here on the side of the <laughs> and over here. So yeah, yeah, it's an over here. Did and you if see? you act now, Afresh, <laughs> what kind of shipping can we get them? Can we? You think we could get them overnight? <laughs> I tell you what, we'll do. We'll throw it in a box for free. What? It comes in a box. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Is that about right? That that works right there. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. Here's the Star Trek email with all the Star Treks. The pint glasses are handsome. I still love the West. I love the Wesley edition of the pint glass. That's very nice. Um, the just you guys came out with some really good stuff. Thank very you so very much. happy. Are you going to carry the Anovos uniforms? Um, we do a lot of work with Anovos. It's kind of hard for us to sell them because they are they tend to be made to order. So it's hard for us to stock them. I recommend you go to Anovos. I'm I'm really seriously looking hard 
at that uh, the field jacket that they wore in uh, in Star Trek Beyond. It's a beautiful piece. Oh yeah. I'm 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 shopping on there right now. As a matter, <laughs> the the uniform dress is beautiful. I I hope they come out with more pieces because it doesn't look. They only have like a couple of Star Trek Beyond things, but the uniform's just absolutely handsome. This is it the Starfleet survival suit jacket? Yes. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well for that person. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. And yeah, the uniform I, I like the the the, the, the well done mock turtleneck, not the nineteen eighty seven mock turtleneck. It looks good. Very good. So when you talk to your people that you know at Anovos, tell them, M said, yep. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll take a double X large in the ladies' dress. Thank you. No <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, John, thanks again for joining us tonight. Really do appreciate you coming on the diner. My pleasure. Uh, my door is always open. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to hit you up again for that. And I believe that's it. Let's, let's wrap it up. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Live long and prosper. Nicely done. Nice. Space pants! Oh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that.
Well, that. actually, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I spoke to our apparel person, and we're seriously trying to see if we can find space pants. <laughs> space pants! That's oh, awesome. Those are awesome. It can't be that hard to find. Like, somebody can make those for you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody already does. We just got to find them. They, okay. find, they bought those off the shelf. Did they really? Yeah, you're talking about Saturday Night Live. Yeah, space yeah. Pants. Mm-hmm. yeah. Stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. We're working on those. <laughs> space um, pants coming to you by Thinky. Nice. Very, cool. very nice. So, Frage, I'm, um, you know, when we, we were at uh, Shore Leave, we heard that they're bringing back the uh, Strange New Worlds uh, mm-hmm. contest again. Have you been reading any of the Strange New Worlds co- um, uh, compilations? I've read, a, I've read a couple, yeah. They're know. really good. They're actually really, really good. So hopefully Scott, I you'd probably enjoy them if you haven't read them. I haven't read them. So they're really, really good. No. They're they're highly they're highly consumable because you can sit down for five minutes to read a full story and go, Wow, that was really satisfying. And there's another one that takes you five minutes. It's so good. Right. Where do I get these? Uh right now you can only get them on Amazon. They're print to order, but you can get the Kindle versions for cheap. And who writes them? Everyone. Uh, our friend Dayton actually wrote one story for, for the first one. That's, how, that's yeah. the one I'm reading right now. That's how he got started, yeah. Mm-hmm. In his Star Trek novel career. It's a strange new world, huh? Nice. Well, yeah, I did... Oh, and go, them, keep going. And reading them makes me, and I think like Miles, and, and even Heather, she was she was so impressed with the quality of the writing and how easy it seemed to put together a short story and what, what they found ex- as ex- a, a good, acceptable short story. We all looked at this and go... I could do this. This is totally reachable. You know, when you think about a novel and how how much of a commitment that is and how, how much work that must be to write this entire giant story arc and bring it all together at the end in a satisfying and adventurous way, you know, a short story is so much more approachable Yeah. that you think, yeah, I can totally do this. And, and Star Trek books are not small anymore. They're like, they used to be like 200 and so pages long. Most of them are like the 400 page length. Now, not, not that I'm complaining. I'm happy to have the content, but <laughs> but they're but they're bigger. For, I've noticed mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Yeah, I have not caught up in current Star Trek. I'm I'm very far behind. So is this a the 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 books that I'm looking at? It's a is a compilation of stories, or each one's its own story. It's a compilation of short stories. Yeah. Okay. So so there what are, are there I'm looking at it are there like 10 books right now in the series? Yeah, I think there's 10. Yeah, so 10 or 11. Okay, what I have is up till 2007, but you said they're still publishing it. They just they just finished a new one, but they haven't published it yet. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. But it's been the launching platform for several Star Trek writers. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, we'll have That's to I'll, I'll have to check that out. They're said, really fun. They're really fun. Highly recommended. And the uh, Kindle versions are, you said, are cheap. Well, this, the first one is seven ninety nine, so that's an easy one. That you can just you can just buy really quick. The other ones were like eleven ninety nine. They're a bit more expensive. Okay, is it is it called Strange New Worlds? Yes. Yes. Because I'm seeing. So, so Dayton wasn't sure when the next one will be out, but I figure, you know, I'm working on it now, and then I can. Have it tweaked for when it's ready, when they're ready to um, take submissions. Maybe I could even get another one in, but maybe I get a few written. We'll see. At least one or mm. two. Very cool. Very cool. The first one looks looks like this. <laughs> if you can see that. Yes, yeah. I can. I can. Right now, I'm on, I'm on Amazon. It's eighteen ninety nine for the Kindle version. 
1899 for the first one? Yeah, that's what it's... If I'm looking at it, yeah, Kindle edition. Oh. Unreal. Yeah. But let's talk Let's talk offline. All right. <laughs> 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 well, now, that being said, the second one is 899 Go figure. Maybe it's a limited edition digital release. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's an it's a leather digital release. But and then the third one is sixteen dollars. Go figure. It's weird. It's very weird. A lot of the print ones are print on demand, so a lot of the the paperback versions are very expensive. It doesn't make sense that the Kindle version would be that expensive. Yeah. Mm. And then the fourth one's like seven ninety nine. So I don't know. It's all over. Used, it's though. all over. Well, that's just silly. Maybe I can get it. Maybe I can pick up a used Kindle version. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kindle <laughs> version. <laughs> You know, selling them, selling cheap. <laughs> well, if somebody owns it. They can, like, I mean, you can't, you can borrow Kindle books. So, <laughs> John, are you having a party over there? I'm wearing a hat. No. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that, oh, I just oh, changed my. your hat. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I've been doing that. Oh, I clicked on the same thing at the same time. Then. Oh, that's weird. I put on a monocle. I have curlers in my hair, so I'm not gonna. A nice, nice extra beard here. Yeah, nice, nice. Sure. Oh, there's backgrounds too. What? <laughs> there's backgrounds. There's well, that that doesn't work at all. <laughs> there's the brick wall. Do the brick wall. The brick wall. That one. Yeah. yeah. That's wow. Is it? That's weird. Yeah. That it's like weird. you're coming out of the wall. You're Mr. McWallyson. Wally. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> All right, guys, I do have to call Sorry. it a night, but Oh, I want to shill something. Okay, next, go ahead. This like in the next week or so, um, the production of Romeo and Juliet that I'm in it starts getting released one act at a time. And so you can hear me in the first three acts until I die. Awesome. Aww. And you're you're playing Mercutio, is that right? Yeah. I'm Mercutio. Mercutia. No, I'm just kidding. The them to keep it as a keep it mercutio yeah that's cool. and in the death scene i wanted all the lines to say the same i didn't want them to feminize them good because those lines are beautiful yeah, they are. as they are and the you feeling of what he's going through is, is but, yes. poignant and pivotal for the story awesome can you uh can you make sure to drop a link in the facebook feed when you uh, when that's released yes i will now watch a villain yes <laughs> <laughs> Why doth you come between us? I feel bad. Like there was a point where I remembered I was remembering all the lines and they were fun to say. Mercutio has great lines. He is especially when character. he's ripping into Romeo about the kind of chicks he's been hanging out with. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, very proud of the work I did. Um you can actually hear me singing the intro song too. Oh good. So I'm super proud. I'm not about it. Because I, I worked hard on that. I can't can't wait to hear it out. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, All as right. always, I enjoy your company so hard. Yeah, it's great. Two weeks we'll uh, get together. I'm working uh, right now on an interview with Adam Spock. No, sorry. <laughs> Adam, Adam Nimoy? Right. Yeah, Adam Nimoy um, regarding the movie that's upcoming. So I'm still working out details on that. That might be two Tuesdays from now. Okay. Also, there was a lady that wrote a book on, was it Chekhov? It was Chekhov? No. Uh, McCoy? Was, McCoy. Okay. Yeah, I've been, I'm working on an interview with her. Okay. 
So and we get we, we met uh, and we have tons of interviews from Shore Leave that mm-hmm. haven't released yet. So we have tons of stuff to do if these interviews don't materialize. So. So, oh, and I reached out, John, I reached out to Star Trek Mission, New York, about a press pass. And? It's Reed Pop, who, they turned me down for um, New York Comic Con, and so they basically told me the same thing. So now my sister-in-law, who works for Reed Elsevier, who owns Reed Pop, when she gets back from vacation, she's going to see what she can do. She's going to get an earful if she hasn't already. Yeah. I I don't know. I all I know is it was really kind of it was kind of a dick move. Like the last couple of years, I covered New York Comic Con, and now that it's so huge, it's it the people. There's a lot of podcasts that are getting thrown away. There's a lot of people who've been covering them from the beginning, and they've turned them away. Wow. Like San Diego gave me a pass again. Hmm. San Diego's not better than New York, or New York's not better than San Diego. No. But I'm still working on that. Are you going for the whole thing? Yeah, I'll be there the whole time. You're going to Mission are you New work, York? Are you working yes, or sir. are you fun? Is it for fun? A bit of both. Yeah. I'm okay. going. I'm, I bought a ticket for Saturday. Ooh, fun. So you'll be there Saturday. Be yes. Good. good. Awesome. Maybe you guys can hook up. Maybe. Absolutely. But, all right. Hey, I got a jet here. It's good chat right. with y'all. Night, guys. Good night. We will we will meet up and we'll figure out what to do Saturday night if uh, you're free. Sounds oh. good to me. Awesome. Cool, man. All right. Cool. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.